Hey, my name is Roy Harmon, and this is episode 002 of the Tyrannosaurus Rex Marketing Podcast Program. Really excited to have you back. Today we're talking to Max Caldwell. He's a uh, growth marketing expert. He works with a company called Sketch Deck. Uh, he's here to talk about lead generation, lead nurturing, all sorts of strategies and tactics that'll help you to get more customers. And I'd just like to say this episode is dedicated to Zach Stafford. He knows all about audio, and if you're able to understand anything that anybody says in this episode, it's all thanks to him. Hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. We're here with Max Caldwell and uh, very excited to uh, hear from somebody with his experience. He's got a background in sales and has now uh, moved into marketing and has some great thoughts on lead generation tactics and strategies that you can use for customer acquisition and uh, building your lists and all sorts of things. Uh, so, Max, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thanks, Roy. Uh, pleasure to meet you and pleasure to speak to your audience as well. Uh, my background is that I work for Sketch Tech, which came out of the Y Combinator class of winter 2014. Uh, we're a company that helps out your entire design process and makes sure that all of the design your company produces is on brand 100% of the time. Typically, that's for marketing and salespeople. Um, I've been here for two years. Like you mentioned, I was originally hired to run sales. Uh, and in April of 2017, I became our first full-time marketer. And so really, really what we needed to help with the most was figuring out how to get lead generation to be a much more scalable uh, place for us because we had figured out a lot of the operational challenges that a startup comes with and a lot of the, uh, you know, frankly, just figuring out how to close deals. Um, and so for the last for the la last year or so, I've been figuring out how to get us into a good place with our lead systems. and. Had had some good successes that I'm happy to talk about. You know, I, I, it's not like I know uh, everything here. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't worked, um, but I'm happy to share what has. Awesome. Well, so tell us. So you came in, and it sounds like there was some work to be done um, as far as really building out um, a lead gen platform. Where did you start? You know, a lot of it was looking at the existing data and analytics that we had. Because uh, the founder, uh, the founders Chris and David, had done a pretty good job of uh, setting up HubSpot early on and making sure that all of our marketing analytics were funneling into that. And so, although there wasn't a ton of marketing that was out there, um, you know, we, we we have we have some blog articles and we've gotten some press mentions, but uh, it, figuring out where leads were currently coming from was really my first order of business, and then trying to come up with ideas around. For the top of the funnel, um, uh, figuring out how to take those programs and then scale them up to the next level. And so to, to be a little bit more specific, uh, really like our, our earliest traction channel that worked for us when we were, when we were starting to grow, uh, probably back in like 2014, 2015 is when this was most relevant was our, our launch. And so we got a couple mentions and a TechCrunch article written about us. Um, and that really that really helped power us through the first year, year and a half of our business, where we got a lot of early successes and early adopters. Uh, but that that's not really sustainable. We can't just keep 
relaunching our business and getting TechCrunch articles. And so, especially as we've moved towards larger customers, um, I've been figuring out ways to get into these companies that are, you know, global enterprises that need help scaling their design process. Yeah, I think um, what you said about looking for what's working already is probably one of the most powerful things you can do, especially when you're just getting started. Um, if you're not starting from scratch, uh, you know, you really can find a lot of things where, for instance, I've worked at a company where um, when I came in, I saw that they were spending $200 a month on Captera for reviews and the, uh, the conversion rate was incredible. And so we bumped that up to $2,000 and we saw that, that shift where all of a sudden, you know, the, the conversion rate, um, held pretty steady and we were able to, to bring in a lot more, uh, leads that way. Um, what would you say for people? I mean, I know HubSpot makes it pretty easy. You can do the, you know, get, get into the sources report, um, kind of take a look and, and see where, where things are coming from. What are some other things you would suggest to people who are trying to figure out what is working, what is, you know, where are the channels that they should really be spending most of their time, spending most of their money, um, et cetera. Yeah, totally. And uh, it's really a mix. I mean, a lot of, a lot of what I did is kind of looking at the customers we had already and trying to go back into HubSpot and figuring out, okay, cool. Like what was, what did this person do before they became a sales lead? What steps did they actually take? Um, and then trying to trying to build out more of a model to uh, basically invest more time and money in those steps. But you know, especially when you are, maybe are a smaller company and you only have a certain set of clients, you also have to really come up with a strong set of hypotheses that you're testing out that you think you will um, be able to go out and get new clients through, but you might not have data on yet. And so there, there's a lot of stuff that we did, especially around paid advertisements that just did not work at all. Um, and so we, we've invested a fair amount of money in Google AdWords. It didn't really pan out for us. Um, so some variations on LinkedIn ads, which didn't really regenerate any revenue. And it was really important to design these as experiments that you could test and, and see if they worked or not. And then once you have the data that they're not working, uh, killing them completely. And then, like you said, if you find a channel that does work, knowing that it's a success and knowing that it's driving deals and, you know, especially in like a, a B2B business where the deals can take a long time, uh, that, that can be a little difficult, but figuring that out and scaling that up is essential. So how rigorous are you in your testing? What's the, what would you say is sort of the basic framework? What are you, what do you start with to say, uh, you know, I'm assuming you have, some sort of a hypothesis. And then, um, I mean, from there, is there, I mean, I assume that it's not, uh, you know, super scientific, but can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah, it, it is, it is fairly scientific. Um, really. And a, a lot of what I've uh, done is based off of the book called traction, who, which is written by the founder of duck, duck, go. It's a really book. awesome book. I'd recommend it to any of your listeners who are looking to, learn more about how to evaluate marketing channels. Um, but it, it, it is a matter of figuring out how soon you can judge whether or not uh, this channel is generating revenue. And so in our business, we, we from the time when we get a lead or the time when we have our first sales conversation, 
to the time when it actually closes as a deal, where so we're able to partner with this company and actually help them, it, it can take a really long time. It can take up to six months. And so uh, lo- looking for indicators that this marketing campaign that I did six months ago or you know, the marketing campaign I'm doing right now is going to turn into revenue six months down the line is is really the key indicators that I look at. And so um, uh, stuff about engagement with content, whether or not they're actually continuing onto our website, continuing to open emails after you've gotten the contact, um, that that's important, whether or not they're actually able to engage with the salesperson. I think that getting getting the salesperson and the sales team in there early to start to build a real relationship with your prospects is absolutely essential. And if you have somebody where you're able to start a conversation, uh, and then if you if you have if you have a lead into a business and you're able to start that conversation, what I'm trying to say is that uh, it's probably going to continue. And so that that's a good key indicator that this is a qualified deal that's worth looking at, even if you have to wait a long time to do it. Um, now, if if you, if your if your listeners are running more of a consumer business, you don't have that same problem of needing to wait a long time to evaluate success. Just look at sales. Uh, you know, any any competent CRM or HubSpot sort of thing can can evaluate that, and that's that's the primary metric there. Okay, so when you're looking for these channels, um, you're trying to find traction. Maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe you're focused on um, paid. Maybe you're focusing more on social. Um, whatever the case may be, how important is content to the lead generation process, in your opinion? Sorry, Roy, I cut out there for a second. Could you could you repeat that question? Sure. Um, so, how important would you say is content to the lead generation um, process? Yeah, well, it's really essential, and so. Uh, especially at the top of the funnel, um, we uh, a lot of our leads come from, and I mean it, it sort of depends on, on what you what what part of the funnel you're looking at. So, at the very highest point where we're just starting to interact with people and they're just starting to become aware of Sketch Deck, the the most effective channel for us is organic. And if you go on our blog, the the approach that we've taken is trying to figure out this, this kind of sweet spot where we can write about topics that there's a broad interest in and where, the, where we also have expertise and can add value. Um, and so, so an example of one that was like the very first thing we did was just creating a pitch deck template where at, at that point in our business, we were doing a lot of presentations and you know, it cost us a couple hundred dollars to create a really good design. Um, but putting that up there and writing some blog articles around it and trying to make it into a really compelling offer has resulted in you know, hun- at least hundreds of leads just off that, uh, that couple hundred dollar investment. Um, another one we've done is kind of how to rebrand a B2B company, which is new. Uh, we, we rebranded earlier in the year. And then kind of writing a story around that and explaining the pitfalls that we ran into it was a pretty low investment. It's based on personal experience, so we, we have some authority to talk about it. Um, but it, it's already turned into about 10% of organic, our organic traffic. That's great. Uh, just, from, just from getting some you know, decent quality inbound links and, and having a lead, you know, standard lead magnet offer saying, hey, you like this blog article? Download the ebook. That's, that's been really essential for, for our top of the funnel growth. Yeah, that's that's really that's 
That's cool. So would you say, I mean, how broad would you, I think that you've got sort of a, a broad market. A lot of people need design services in general though. How broad would you say people can be with their, the topics of their content? I mean, how tailored do they need to be to specific problems that they're, um, customers or potential customers are dealing with when you're talking about that top of the funnel um those top of the funnel leads are not necessarily market qual or marketing qualified um yeah that, that, that's a really good good point and uh the at the very top of the funnel i think that you can i think basically the the less somebody knows about your company or your service the more broad that you're allowed to be and the more broad that you should be with with the information you're putting out there. And so how to, how to rebrand a B2B company for, for us is pretty broad because we, we don't rebrand a ton of companies. We, we, we've done like maybe a couple, uh, but, but really it was, it was more a story about um, if you are a marketer thinking about rebranding, how, how would you go about this? And so it's, it's not super about our product or service. I think there there is a tension though, especially as you get a little bit farther down of not being too broad. You do want to start to narrow in um, on on what your expertise is, what your product is, and if you're kind of sending that same content to somebody who's already who's already kind of aware of you, they've they've looked at a couple of emails, they've uh, they've you know read read a blog post or two. They're, they're a little bit farther down in in the buying cycle. I think that can be a mistake and, and something that I've done before is kind of try to market using this broader content to somebody to get them to uh, fill out a lead form in, in my case is really what I was trying to accomplish. And that just doesn't work at all. You really do have to get a bit salesier and a bit closer to your messaging um, the, the further you get down the funnel. So top of the funnel, very broad. And then as you get further down, getting narrower is the way to go. And what's your process for, so you start broad. And you bring in a lot of people with great content, um, but they're not necessarily all going to be good customers for your particular company. So what do you do to um, sort of weed out the, the people who aren't a good fit, but then also, um, you know, continue building that, um, that relationship with people who would be a good fit or who might be a good fit and you really kind of need to have more of a um, more of a conversation with them. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting question, especially because um, sometimes our, our marketing at least can talk to a couple different audiences. Um, we, you know, we we have a lot of designers who want to come in and uh, join our team. Frankly, that that sign up for our email service, and so um speaking to them them about marketing but keeping them also engaged with us and uh convinced that we might be an, an interesting person to come partner with at some point uh you sort you sort of have to uh do do one without alienating the other audience is what i'm trying to say um and a, a big part of it is i mean I, I wouldn't say that this is something that we are particularly great at i think i think a big part of it is just focus um Right now, a lot of my marketing efforts are going into creating things that are geared very much to, towards our core audience and then using the segmenting tools that I have available to me uh, and appending some data to it using a couple of vendors I partner with. 
um, to figure out like really, really in my email database who these people are and then coming up with pretty tailored messages specifically to them and then kind of not paying that much attention to the other audiences that we need to talk to uh, as much as we should. Um, and that's more, that's more of a manpower thing on my part, I think. Just being a single marketer, we have to focus where the ROI is and something that I'm looking to scale up a little bit more in the future. But uh, really, really focusing, like kind of figuring out, getting the data correct in your database and then just tailoring your messaging specifically to that core person that you're looking to, to get interested is, is the main strategy that I've followed so far. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, I think that brings up another, um, uh, another question, which is what do you do? Um, and I think this is, again, this is something that for people who are, um, especially people who aren't in, um, really niche markets where they're going to bring in, um, maybe people who are just kind of way off base for them. And then, um, you know, people who are in the middle and people who are a great fit. Uh, what are some of the tactics that you use to, to sort of clean up your database to say, um, I guess, what is the information that you look for to say this person is not a good fit and what do you do to, to get that information? Yeah. Um, some of it is just not possible to get without actually speaking to the person. And, uh, you know, if you have a very broad market product, um, I mean, may maybe it is. Maybe you can disqualify people just based off of, of information you can find uh, online. But I, I haven't found that to be the case for us. We uh, So li like I mentioned earlier, we work with a company called Clearbit and then a couple other companies to... Uh, append data as they come in. So if somebody, if somebody fills out a lead form on our website, uh, we, we get their email directly from them. And then this, uh, this other service provides us with information on job title and size of company and all that. And, and HubSpot does some of that too pretty well. Um, and, and based on that and some of their previous interactions with our website, I'm able to do some lead scoring and figure out, okay, is this somebody who we do want to have a conversation with sales? And I think earlier on when, uh, when I was starting to kind of set up these rules and look at behaviors, I was probably a little bit too restrictive in, in the kind of person that was sent over because really what I found is that you can get business from, uh, at least given that we're a business to business business, so we're selling to marketers. Um, uh, you, you can really, you can really, initiate a conversation with many different touch points in a business. We, we often get people whose titles have nothing to do with marketing. Um, you know, groups, uh, people, you know, as close as creative directors or getting farther away into like communications and PR or, or even internal communications. Um, but it, it's really tough from the outside to figure out what's going on inside these companies we'd like to partner with. And so that that's more of a sales conversation where, <clears throat> getting getting sales involved very early in the process and having them ask the qualifications that they want as early as possible, um, it, it seems to be the most effective, at least in my experience. That yeah, that's uh, that sounds great. I think I've always kind of wondered about, um, you know, whether you want to send your leads to sale, you know, at what point do you want to send your leads to sales? You know, I think uh, some people will send them pretty early and then, um, 
the sales team will decide if they're a sales qualified lead or not. And if they're not, they'll send them back to marketing and marketing will kind of, um, work on them. And, and if they then get to a point where it makes sense, then they'll send them back to sales. And then of course, um, you know, I've worked other places where it was, you know, you need to, you need an MQL, they need to become an SQL. You need to make sure that you get to that point where, um, you know, they're definitely ready for sales. And I think a lot of that depends on how, you know, the bandwidth of your sales team. If you have, you know, a bunch of SDRs, a bunch of, uh, you know, inside salespeople who can, you know, spend a lot of time on the phones. I think that's more, um, feasible to, to really have them do some of that, um, some of that work. Um, but one thing that I really, uh, am interested in is the, the whole idea of this, like kind of the middle of the funnel content that allows you to, whether it's through behavioral targeting based on, you know, the fact that they interacted with it or, um, whether it's the information you get from them filling out the form to get the content kind of gives you a little bit extra. Uh, cause right now I'm, you know, I'm in a very, um, niche within a niche. And so we really, we've got to kind of get people down. Um, we kind of start at this really broad place and we've got to keep, um, zeroing in on, on that perfect customer. And I think that's one of the things that HubSpot does really well, which is just, they give you some content. Um, but to download it, you, you know, you fill out a form and then on the page where you go to the thank you page that has the form, or I mean, that has the content has another form for you to fill out, to get another piece of content. Um, and I think that is really, uh, that's great. I, I really, uh, personally, that's something I'm really working on is figuring out some ways to really, um, build up my, my contacts, uh, build up the actual, the records that we have, um, for these people. Um, is that something that, uh, that y'all do at all? Yeah. Um, well, kind of to your, to your previous point, I think that you don't, you don't even necessarily need a, to decide when somebody is qualified, you, you don't necessarily need a whole bunch of info or even a big sales team. Um, cause, uh, really, really the, uh, what, what I've seen at least is that, uh, you know, you, it, what really matters when it comes to getting uh, convincing somebody that you are a valuable company or service to partner with is actually building a real relationship with them. And so um, uh, what we've seen be effective is even, even if the conversation uh, and again, this is specific to kind of our product and market, but even if, even if the conversation is going to lead to a sale six or 12 months down the line, um, just getting, just getting a human involved to talk to this person, reach out, reach out and say, Hey, I saw you download this ebook, sign up for this webinar is it has a tremendous impact on our conversion rates, you know, in a positive direction. And the message is going to be different depending on whether what, what exactly the, con- the interaction was. Uh, but, but really, I think that human touch, uh, it, at least for us is, is absolutely essential and getting involved early is key. Um, now, if, if somebody, if somebody isn't ready for a conversation yet, maybe, maybe they don't even reply to that sales email chain. Uh, I, I do then put them back into more of a nurturing flow. And so we, we've got a couple of drip campaigns set up to kind of go around and, um, try and reactivate people when possible with more of the broader interest stuff that we were talking about earlier. Uh, 
And if, if they see something that catches their eye, um, they, they can click into it. I'll invite them to the next webinar that we're doing, see if we can get more of a sales conversation going on. But uh, I, I think that kind of giving, giving yourself permission to step back and not market to them in as, ag- as aggressive a way right, right at that moment is a big part of it. Because maybe, maybe there's something going on in their business that, that, you, that you don't know about, and probably there are, for, since you probably have a large database. But uh, just, just taking that step back and then, and then kind of hitting them with broader content seems to be a good approach. And then when they're ready, uh, letting that lead come back in. And is that something that you manually um, enroll them in those nurturing um, workflows or in that sequence? Or is it something that, um, that you base on their behavior? Or how do you, how do you make that determination? Yeah. Uh, it, th- in this case, the one that I'm referring to is actually manual. And so it's in HubSpot, there's this kind of pipeline concept. Mm-hmm. And actually the, on the CRM side, it's free. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But you, where you're the salespeople can go in and they have a deal that's created for them and they get an email assigned to them. And then uh, if they, if this person is not responsive or they become disqualified, um, they manually indicate that. And then, it comes back over to my side of the business where I can, where I can hit them with those, those marketing campaigns that I mentioned. That's yeah, that's great. Um, well, so, I mean, can you tell me a little bit more about the company? It seems really interesting, um, what y'all are doing. Um, and, and also really unique. Would you, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Kind of what y'all do? Yeah, sure. And you know, we've talked a lot about content today. Um, and uh, I kind of have the unique position where the sketch deck is really, uh, it's a way for marketers to get content designed and get all of their content designed. And so when I, when I'm running a webinar, when I'm putting these eBooks out, when I'm doing Instagram ads, uh, I know that I have somebody on my team who understands my brand and makes sure that a hundred percent of everything that I'm using and everything the sales team is using just looks super amazing and on brand. And it's, it's really a delightful experience. Um, and, and we do that for a bunch of companies. So it's, it's really useful to my marketing personally. But uh, we, we found a, a fit, especially with marketers who have a slightly larger team and are, are trying to uh, perhaps scale their business or grow their marketing in a way. Maybe they just got funding. Um, so it, it, se- it seems to be a really useful service, and we're growing pretty quickly. And it's sketchdeck.com, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, check check us out at sketchdeck.com. You can um, sign up for one of our webinars, check out the blogs I just mentioned. Um, re- I guess re- really the whole idea is that uh, for all of this content that we've discussed, uh, there's nothing that, that just like doing good work with honest content and great presentation, um, yeah, that, that's the core of what you need. And you need to do that for everything nowadays. And so uh, we're, we're a service that kind of enables you to bring great design and not just do it for the flagship ad campaigns you're doing, but actually do it for every single part of your business. Yeah. I think that's very valuable. I think, I mean, as I agree with, with everything you said about content, I think it's, I mean, I don't really know how you run a full um, lead gen campaign without having some good content. And what I found being the, you know, kind of a, a one man show as far as the marketing goes is that you just don't have enough time to do everything. And that content is really the part that 
when you're sitting there, you're trying to come up with strategies, you're trying to dig into data, you're trying to um, do so many things, uh, big picture uh, sorts of things. It's really tough to then have to also say, okay, in, in this amount of the time, I'm going to sit down and, and design this ebook or, um, or whatever. But it's so important to have that content at every stage of the funnel. And I think for most people, it's just probably not something that they could do, uh, especially not in a way that's scalable if they're just, you know, at whatever size they may be. So, um, it, it really sounds like an interesting, uh, it sounds like what y'all do are doing is really interesting. And, um, I'm looking forward to, to looking into it a little bit more and, and seeing if it might be something that would work out for us. Well, cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your, your coming on. I, you've really, um, you've had some great insight and I hope we can talk to you again sometime in the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if any of your listeners have any questions about anything we've talked about, um, uh, you know, my, my email is max.caldwell at sketchtech.com. Feel free to shoot me a note. I'm happy to chat with anybody about, uh, marketing or sales stuff. Yeah. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, sending over some, um, some more contact information for you, like, you know, just, um, we'll get your LinkedIn profile and thing like some things like that up in the show notes so that people can connect with you, um, in whatever ways you're, um, you know, the, that are okay with you. Um, I think that'd be great. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. All right. That was episode two. Let me know what you think. Really appreciate Max coming on the show. Uh, thought he had some great insights. Let us know what you think and uh, come back next time for episode three.